The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And uh, we're going to break down the part one of New Year's Smash in All Elite Wrestling, talking about this week's episode of Dynamite. But before we get into the action, Mike, talk to the people. Tell them how you feel. (laughs) Oh, man. All the emotions, I think, over the last 24 hours. (laughs) Just... Every possible feeling I think one could feel, I think I have felt. So uh, if you're living under a rock, you know, some stuff went down yesterday. So that was fun and stressful, anxiety inducing even. Um, It's cold as shit up here, you know, in Boston. So we can talk about the weather. It's uh, just very, very weird, confusing 36 hours. So. Sorry if I don't have anything more funny or insightful than that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'll say this. I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> like, yeah. it's yeah. and and not to not to get off on a tangent here, but obviously what we're talking about is the domestic terrorist incident that took place at the Capitol on January sixth. That you know, there was essentially no resistance at all from law enforcement. This was planned in plain sight. Like people who just are journalists who follow this and 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 write about it knew that this was going to happen. And they don't have anywhere close to the resources of the FBI, the Secret Service, you know, any of the law enforcement agencies that should have been on hand to, you know, quell this uprising if that's what you want to call it but you know it was just a disgusting display and the honestly the only way that the uh, trump presidency could come to an end you know this was the logical conclusion of Trump and a Trump presidency, one of the saddest and darkest days in American history. And that's all I have to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. The the resistance there from the Capitol Police remind me of the Dallas Cowboys defense, Joel. <laughs> Just letting white guy, white receiver after white receiver to burn us. Um, in, in the NBA, that's called matador defense because <laughs> you just, you hold the little red flag out and then you pull it away at the last second. Let the bull go oh. right past you. My my favorite player is Luka Doncic. I know that defense. So, yeah, very very disturbing, very sad. Fuck those people. Uh, I'm not we're not hiding from this sh- we're not hiding on this show. Fuck the fuck those people. If you listen to our podcast, fuck you too. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I so not not to quibble. I know you're fired up, but I think you just inadvertently said if you listen to our podcast, fuck you too. <laughs> like, hey, hey, <laughs> fuck you too. All of you guys, all you multiple people, fuck you too. It's is what I really meant. I, I'm really in a fuck everyone type of mood. So uh, okay, well, uh, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's been a long couple of days. I can't talk straight, but um, you know what? Uh, I am once again grateful that we have something like AEW to give us a bit of a reprieve break from the world. Yes, and 
this week's episode definitely was not as heavy as last week's. Yeah, uh, God, right? I can't it imagine really... if it had been last week's episode on top oh of. Oh my God! Woof. Um, <laughs> but on that note, why don't we why don't we transition to talking about? It? I don't think we I really have anything to talk about other than you know doing our jobs here as as wrestling journalists and uh, and talking Is about. That is that we're wrestling journalists? No, no, absolutely not. I say that with tongue fully planted in cheek. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to the the recap here. <laughs> the dynamite that was and dynamite began with an eight man tag team match between the team of SCU with the Young Bucks taking on TH two and the acclaimed classic babyfaces versus heels affair with the babyfaces going over. After this, we got a promo from returning John Moxley, former AEW champion, in which he expressed his desires to destroy Kenny Omega, but out of respect for Phoenix and the opportunity that Phoenix had, would be holding off until after that match. Next up was a backstage segment involving the best friends, or what's left of them with Trent being out with an injury, and Miro, Kip, and Penelope Ford, in which Chuck agreed to a match with Miro, and if Miro wins, Chuck has to be Miro's young boy until after the wedding of Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian. After this was the advertised match between Wardlow and Jake Hager, with Wardlow getting the victory off the F10, and after this match, later in the show, MJF comforted Jake Hager in the locker room, telling him, it's okay that you lost, because you're still undefeated in MMA. Next up was a segment backstage between Matt Hardy, Private Party, and special guest Snoop Dogg promoting his new show with Cody Rhodes on the TNT Network. Next up was a weigh-in for the TNT Championship featuring Darby Allen, Brian Cage, and the rest of Team Taz where they were about to put the boots to Darby Allen when they were interrupted by... Sting, because who else interrupts anybody these days? It's Sting! After this was a backstage interview with Jurassic Express being interviewed about uh, interactions between uh, Marco Stunt and Negative One of the Dark Order. This was interrupted by FTR, which uh, denigrated Marco Stunt, and Marco challenged them to a tag team match with Jungle Boy as his partner, uh, for a future Dynamite. Next up was the match between Matt Seidel and Cody Rhodes. Cody being coached in this match not by Arn Anderson, but instead by Snoop himself, who after the match would get involved in some post-match hijinks. After this was the Women's Championship match between Abaddon and Hikaru Shida, a bloody and violent affair with horror elements, ending with Hikaru Shida getting the win off the Tamashi. Next up, Ty Conti issued a challenge to Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship, and Anna Jay indicated that she and the Dark Order would be in Ty Conti's corner for that match. Finally, the main event, the AEW Championship on the line, Kenny Omega with Don Callis defending his title against Ray Phoenix. Kenny got the victory off the one-winged angel in an excellent match, and after the match, the Good Brothers appeared to beat down Phoenix 
and we're joined in the ring by the Young Bucks, where the Bucks, the Good Brothers, and Kenny Omega all gave the too sweet salute in this Bullet Club reunion. And that was the Week of Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. I say too sweet, you say woot woot too sweet. That's not a thing. They do it in the fans, the fans do it. Also, the whoop whoop, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> I know, Marty Scroll ruins the, everything. The whoop whoop is now problematic. <laughs> Damn it. I love their entrance, but Joel, look at this. The Not Bullet Club is an AEW. What were your initial thoughts on this? You, you're, you're, in, you're, was that the era of NJPW that you were watching? Uh, were the no, Brothers I there, or were they already I, in WWE? Yeah, so I was. Omega and the Bucks. That was that okay. was my era that I was watching. Um, and then in the U.S., uh, I was watching Ring of Honor when Adam Cole was the leader of the Bullet Club. So uh, I'm I was stoked about it. I thought it was pretty cool. I'm mostly excited at the prospect of uh, Luke Gallows and or sorry Doc Gallows and Carl yeah, Anderson. Say what? He said, get it right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I corrected myself. Calm down. Uh, but I'm excited to see them wrestle in AEW. I'm si- excited to see them in angles that will respect their stature. Stock up, stock down. Sorry. <laughs> I hit the button. <laughs> I, I don't know why you're hitting any buttons. Get I didn't get man. The, the the pointer that the, the was over it, and then I guess I have a touchpad, so I, I hit it with two fingers and mm. it did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> Technical difficulties from our, our producer. Um. <laughs> uh, At any rate, I, I'm excited to see the two of them in AEW. Uh, Carl Anderson is someone who I think can get in the ring and wrestle with anybody and put on a five-star match. He's incredibly talented. And we never really got to see that uh, in his run in the other wrestling company. And uh, Gallows is one of the most agile big men that you could care to see. And he has one of my favorite things, which is a convincing working punch. I love it. So, you know, those two guys being there and then obviously the symbolism of having the bucks out there and the bullet club reunion. I mean, this is one of the most dominant factions in the history of pro wrestling and the prospect of them running roughshod over the industry and not just AEW, but also impact not to mention the bucks have history and impact as well. I mean, they've been everywhere. So uh, there's a lot to like here. Yeah. I'm a, First off, they these guys were not used correctly in the other wrestling company. Period. They never really seemed to kind of get going. I think their best stuff was probably when they were with AJ Styles, but then remember they they broke them up via the draft. So it was very very weird their run there. And uh yeah, I've seen some Carl Anderson matches from the G one. The dude is freaking phenomenal. Like he, he is such a great worker. So, uh, you know, I don't watch impact regularly. I, I, I keep saying I want to, but there's just so much wrestling out there, but if we get them on the AWTV TV every now and then, or, you know, for an extended period of time, this, this is, this is a great move. Um, I have heard from the dirt sheets that initially it was going to be 
Kenny would do them a favor, show up on Impact. Good Brothers might show up on AEW. So I don't know if this is a long-term thing, but if it works and it makes money, I don't see why both companies would be like, oh, let's stop this. So I'm going into this thinking that they're going to be around for a while. And I I think the thing I'm, I'm most confused about part is the the Young Bucks side of it. And I and I know they have history. The Bucks were in the Bullet Club. Bucks and Kenny go together. But man, they were baby faces last week. And now they're aligning with the biggest heel in the company. Are they going back to being super aggressive dickheads? I, I just, <laughs> I'm a little confused of what the Bucks are doing right now. I and don't think, I think we know yet. Uh, yeah, but they looked they looked apprehensive. Let's say let's say that with the going to do the was it Matt Jackson? I think was the last one to put the two sweet mm-hmm. sign up. So he looked a little apprehensive to the move. So I'm curious of what this means. Are they a are they a group again? Or is this a new faction? Are they the elite plus the Good Brothers? Like what were they going with here? And I'm just the kind of start and stops here over the last six weeks with the Bucks and their characters. I'm just a little. Seems we might be going back the other way with them when we just kind of swerve back from being super aggressive dickheads. So, you know, it doesn't actually feel start stoppish to me. You know, we talked before about how the the Bucks were being dicks until they got the title and then they had the titles and everything was right in their world. The only thing that they were touchy about after winning the titles was any inquiry about Kenny Omega. Well, now we know why. Because despite his behavior, they're clearly still in his corner, reluctant or not. And so this actually feels to me pretty consistent with what their characters have been and how they've been conducting themselves on Dynamite every week. So I dig it. And I think that there's a lot of ways that they can go from here. And it's a great foundation to build from in a storytelling uh, direction. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the reintroduction of John Moxley into this too. Cause it definitely, definitely felt there was there was some unfinished business here between Moxley and Omega. You know, Omega um, uh Moxley won their first match in AEW, whether it was official or not. And Omega won this one. So it, it makes sense that a third rubber match would be on the table for some point. And I just don't know after this Phoenix match who would be that type of contender. Uh, to go against Omega. So it makes perfect sense that Omega's back in the mix. I, I wonder if this leads to a big eight-man tag with, say, the Lucha Bros, Pac, um, Moxley versus any combination of those five guys. I think that would be very exciting. So, um, yeah, if this is what our top-of-the-card feud story is going to be on our way to, Jesus, Revolution next month, we're oh God. <laughs> AW Revolution at the end of February, then I, I think that's a good top of the card draw to build towards. Definitely. Uh Wanna talk about that match real quick. Since we, we sure. talked about all the match stuff. Yeah. Um I, I thought it was a really, really good match. And I, I had seen, you know, some stuff about like who's the best at selling in pro wrestling right now. And the names that immediately came to mind were like Ricochet, Sami Zayn, uh, you know, those types of, of people. And I forgot about Phoenix. And I can't believe that I forgot about Phoenix because the dude is amazing. And the way that he sold Kenny's offense in this match 
really put himself over as a babyface because he made it look like he had just been murdered and hit by a truck. And yet he still was kicking out and just really remarkable. And anytime Kenny has to go to the one winged angel to win a match, it's almost like winning if you're on the receiving end. Cause like he couldn't put you away with a V trigger. He couldn't put you away with a tiger driver. He couldn't put you away with, any of his other offense, he had to go to that signature finishing move. And that feels significant. Yeah. It feels like when like a, a one in eight team takes a 10 and O team to overtime in, in football or basketball, like, yeah, you may still lose, but there's, there's definitely some sort of moral victory there. It's also, it, it just kind of gives them the rub, gives them some heat, you know, like, wow, he took Kenny Omega to the limit in the main event of dynamite. Um, you know, it, it's like when Cena would do the open challenges, you know, losing effort in a great match to Cena makes you look better. And I think the same thing can be said to Kenny Omega and yeah, Phoenix is freaking incredible, man. Like I'm trying to think of wrestlers on the AW roster who can keep up with Kenny at that type of pace, the, the frantic, you know, million miles a minute type of match. And I think Phoenix is number one on that list of guys who can do it. Um, I think Phoenix and Pac, those are the two that really come Pac to mind right away. Uh, Matt Seidel probably can. Uh, yeah. He's in insane shape and his conditioning is, is excellent. Um, I think Cody is someone through sheer grit and determination who could do <laughs> it just because, yeah. you know, he is, I mean, that's his, his entire personality as, as a wrestler. Um, uh, but you're right. I mean, Phoenix is definitely at the top of that list and it shows in a match like this frenetic pace, huge spots. And the selling was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And also he, his chops are fucking insane too. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were both absolutely blistered by the end of that match. I mean, I just, it is kind of gross, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I, after after last week and and the stuff of yesterday, this was the main event I needed. This was a fun Kenny Omega style main event that I don't think American audiences have seen that much. So, uh, really hoping that these guys get to work together in the future. And yeah, if we get some Moxley pack action with those guys over the next month, along with the Lucha Bros, it's going to be a pretty fun five six weeks leading up to this pay per view. All right, All right, you want to well, move on? Yeah, now that we've gushed for like 10 minutes about what we love, um, let's talk about something that it, it's really starting to like make me sad. And, and that's the misuse, in my opinion, of the icon Sting. Um, can we even say that he's involved in an angle at this point? I feel like he's still angle adjacent. Like, yeah. They need to commit. They need to commit him to the story with Darby Allen. They kind of teased it last week with Darby Allen coming out and Sting coming out to walk around the ring and scare off Team Taz. And I get it. You know, that was supposed to be this week. That was supposed yeah. to be this week. That match happened. Got delayed because of the Brody Lee tribute show. Just keep him off TV till the match then. <laughs> like, right. And, and, you know, it feels like we've had six weeks in a row of Sting 
being on television and not doing anything. Not to mention there's the disconnect between what he's doing from a wrestling perspective and the interviews that he's done. Because he's out there acting like the crow sting and then interviewing like surfer sting. And I don't get it. <laughs> like, yeah. I need some consistency here and I need some kind of forward momentum and development of where is this going? If he's just going to be the boogeyman that shows up to scare people off, then don't have him on every week and certainly don't announce that he's going to be appearing. Yeah. This is exactly yeah. what I didn't want. If you go back and listen to our episodes from early December, this is what I was worried about. And I I'm ready for this to actually go somewhere. And until it does, I don't think I'm going to be excited to see Sting on my television. Yeah, it's it feels like a, an other wrestling company thing to do. Tout your legend, have him come out, have him not really do anything. And and that's it. So it, it's uh yeah, I'm not really sure what is going to happen. Um I know they said that they wanted him to be on TV weekly as a character and that he would get in the ring occasionally, but walking around the ring every week isn't character building. You're just, it's comical at this point. Like we're not the only ones noticing it. When you look at Twitter during dynamite, people are saying, what is Sting doing here? Why is he, what's the point? So, you know, I withhold judgment for a little longer, but man, if we get through this TNT title match next week and he doesn't do anything, I'm going to be kind of annoyed, <laughs> even more annoyed. Well, and, on top of it, like, you know, you said it feels like an other wrestling company thing to do, but let's look back at what his last angle was in WWE. He had that really great build to the match with Rollins that unfortunately he got injured and we thought that was the end. But the build to that was amazing. Seth had gotten the statue of himself from the authority and then sting delivered the head to him in a box uh, via corporate cane. And then the rest of the statue was put in a trash compactor. And even though sting wasn't being ominous in terms of like the tone of his voice, he was doing things that were creepy and stalkerish and fit with the kind of crow bent on revenge sort of character and that's kind of what I was hoping to see is like, let's get Sting actually doing things. He doesn't need to have, he doesn't have to wrestle matches. I don't need that from him right now, but mm -hmm. more than just showing up and, and interrupting a match in progress or a beatdown in progress, like let's get some meat on this Sting development. Let me clarify. When I said other wrestling company thing, I meant like how they treat some of their other veterans. Oh, like I, I know exactly what you mean. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But I'm um, saying even they got it right with yeah. Sting the last time he was there. Yeah. It, and if it ends up him being a mentor and manager for Darby Allen, cool. Like, I didn't necessarily like Darby on the mic this week. I, it, he just, it doesn't yet feel natural for him on the mic live. So if... He's like a manager, mentee, mentor situation. Cool. Let's just get there. <laughs> like, stop teasing us. Um, teasing and wrestling is fine, but uh, we're getting, we're, 
it's getting stale. So um, I will say I am excited for this match next week. I think Darby Allen, Brian Cage is going to tear the house down and it should be the main event. I don't thinking of what's been announced for next week. I don't see anything else being the main event. So um, it should have a plenty of opportunity to kind of steal the show and not steal the show. It's the main event, highlight the show and, and give them a chance to show off. And yeah, Sting better get involved or I'm going to be mad. <laughs> Anything else about this? Did you want to talk about another legend that we're, <laughs> we're tired of? Yeah, let's keep it negative. Let's keep it negative. That's, <laughs> that's what we like to do here on this show. Um, uh, we're positive actually, for the most part. Not at all, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jericho. Anyone else? Anyone else sick of hearing Chris Jericho on commentary? Like, I, I can't. I can't deal all Not he does is yell all the time. He has no concept of changing levels. Like you can't be up all the time because the audience is following your lead. So if you're up all the time, then you can't take it to another level when something significant happens. So it, it I, when listening to his commentary, I don't know what to pay attention to because he's just, yelling and often yelling about nothing or or nothing that makes any sense like it i don't understand sometimes how he gets from a to f right because i'm missing <laughs> b c d and e and yeah. it, i don't know it, the purpose of commentary is to enhance the match not to get yourself over or talk about how you know, everyone's a part of the inner circle family. It's the greatest family for all of us. What? No, it's not. That's it's okay your exclusive you're... club. <laughs> that would be okay if he was doing it for like a single match. If he was just on commentary for Wardlow and Hager, sure. Character it up, promote your, your group, put yourself over. But man, when you're out there for two freaking hours and you have, was it, was it the full booth tonight? It was. It was yeah. So a four man booth, you can't be fucking stepping on people's toes the entire night. Or and just for someone who's been wrestling for team. 30 years, you would think he would know the name of a move. Any move. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is the master of the thousand and one holds. So he should probably four. Just, thousand and four. Thousand and four. He should just get his list and then reference that going forward in matches just so we have some sort of uh, play-by-play here, color commentary. So, yeah, I I agree with you. He's not great on commentary. And I honestly, if he can't be good on commentary, what what does he bring on on camera? I'm sure behind the scenes he's actually as good, you know, mentoring and coaching some of these younger, younger guys. You know, I, I'm sure he does something like that. But what what does he bring as an on-camera character? I think the best utilization of Jericho at this point is as a manager, as someone who can be involved in segments, but not necessarily be the focal point of those segments anymore. Like my favorite segment from last year, from all of Dynamite was the dinner debonair. Mm -hmm. It, It was, it was flawless just brilliant, like nothing I'd ever seen before in professional wrestling. 
and I loved every second of it. That is the best utilization of a Chris Jericho at this point. But every time he gets in the ring, I'm bored. Like, I don't want to watch Chris Jericho wrestle anymore. It's, you know, he's not, he's not Ric Flair. No. Like, Ric Flair at 58 was better than Chris Jericho is now. Which is weird because, like, prior to, like, his last run in the other wrestling company, like, he was putting on good stories in the match. Like, his matches were good. Like, the stuff with Kevin Owens was great. You know, we... That match at WrestleMania, you know, the where was it? Kevin Owens got the ring break with one finger. Like, I thought that story was good. Like, I feel like you shouldn't lose your ability to put together a match. But I just guess his body isn't can't do it anymore. He just can't keep up the pace. But, you know, I think that was the magic of Flair. Flair, that last match with Michaels at Mania, what a fucking story. Like, like you just don't see that with him anymore. Like, I. But it was all the matches that led up to it, too. I mean, everybody talks about that match. I mean, and and for the record, that's my favorite match of all time. Uh, But the matches leading up to that, all the people who tried to retire Ric Flair, Mm -hmm. that story was amazing. And you really, truly didn't know when it was going to end. We all assumed it was going to end at WrestleMania. But there's that, that doubt in the back of your mind of is this really how this is going to go down? And and that's the beauty of it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I and I know I'm I'm being overly negative about this right now, but it's just a, it's a reflection, a snapshot of how I'm feeling at this moment in time. It's not that he couldn't possibly, you know, do something, put on a great match and and win me back over, but I haven't seen it in quite a while. I, I, I mean, the, his match with MJF was you know it was fine it wasn't yeah. great i th- I think that i think it was the orange cassidy stuff i think it was the two matches at a and then the god the mimosa mayhem um was the last time i was like truly entertained watching a jericho match so yeah i i, I think i agree i think a management role would be good or even a manager who occasionally gets in the ring special attraction like, if you want to tell me, okay, he's going to have a match at two pay-per-views a year, cool. Like, I think you could throw, you know, if you need a veteran and you need a name in a match, you can do it. Or, like, the Mike Tyson thing is perfect for him. Like, Jericho is a wrestling name. Have him fight Tyson. Cool. That'd be awesome. It'd get on ESPN and make CBS Sports. It would get headlines. And you wouldn't expect it to be an awesome wrestling match. You're looking at it for a moment, which I think he can still provide. So... Yeah, I agree. Want to move on to something else? Yeah, let's talk about something we did like, uh, and that was the women's championship match between Abaddon and Hikaru Shida. Uh, I like the decision in this match to focus on the creepy factor and focus on the horror elements because it puts over Abaddon and her character. And even though she ultimately lost this match, Sheeta walks away from it battered and bloody and clutching her neck and with a look on her face like what the hell just happened to me and for winning the match that's how you walk away uh so that's that's pretty cool to be able to put that together and I thought the match was was well done and Sheeta of course as we've talked about many many times 
is an incredible worker. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm, I'm still waiting for that credible contender to come along that is going to dethrone Hikaru Shida as we are, you know, rapidly approaching one year with the belt. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get there soon and we can figure out where this division is going to be going. I think the talent is getting better, but uh, it, the the path forward to me is still unclear. Yeah, the... They they have depth now. I don't know if they have, like you said, viable contenders outside of maybe a handful of women. Um, Britt Baker would seem like a natural person to have a feud with Sheeta for a pay per view. Thunder Rosa now I think is a perfect person you could have build a story into a pay per view into. I mean Nyla Rose, we've seen it before, but yeah, Nyla Rose. Other than that, we're still we're still building up to it. We're still building up Big Swall too. Sorry, Big Swall. Um, and yeah, I thought this match was fun. I, I, I really need to get over the Abaddon shit. She scares me so freaking much. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like I, I don't have much to say about the match cause I kept looking away because she terrifies me. Like her, her makeup is that good. And when like the blood was gushing out of her Ooh. mouth too, like, like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't keep watching. <laughs> yeah. And to, to, kind of double back a little bit into our, our Chris Jericho hate. He kept talking about her gimmick. Like, and using that phrasing on air. Like, if you want to break the fourth wall in your own segment about you, that's fine. But don't shit all over somebody's character by calling it a gimmick on air. Like, that that's not helpful when someone is trying to do an immersive character like that. It's not helpful to be like, eh, she really lives the gimmick. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it, it takes you out of it. And with her, you gotta, it's, it's like the undertaker stuff. You suspend disbelief and you watch it and you get scared. <laughs> like it's I like have, nobody looks at the fiend and goes, wow, that gimmick is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Not like you don't have Michael Cole saying that. Yeah. You say the fiend is a horrifying creature. Exactly. Like (laughs) be a part of what is happening on the show. It's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. But anywho, I'm I'm really done. (laughs) Anywho, good match. I thought it was a well-worked match. It told a story. It kind of looked like it kind of felt like Sheeta just wanted to finish the match. Get the hell away from this creature and you know kind of wrestled in that that kind of sense of urgency um so yeah i dig it i think it i think it did its job i think it helped boost abaddon up um i'm not sure once again we're not really having uh significant it's just because of this weird timing with the new year's smash shows and and the Brody lee thing like we're still needing some stories to kick up for revolution. So I'm hoping this match is over. Sheeta can move on. Maybe the winner of Thunder Rosa, uh, Britt Baker, you know, stakes their claim at the number one contendership. And that's where we go. So, um, yeah. And women's division. I am super stoked for that match next week. As Do you think it's possible that a Chris Statlander could come back as a heel and go after Hikaru Shida? I think it's possible. I I'd be I a know little it's hard to come back as a heel. Yeah, 
you don't usually see it. You could do like the whole, hey, you know, she comes out, looks like she's going to make the save get the pop and then immediately turn on her. And like I think in an that. era of limited crowds, that feels more doable. Yeah. Like, I also think AEW fans are are more likely to follow what the company is giving them. Yeah. Like if AEW is saying, Ooh, Chris Statlander just turned on Sheeta. She's a heel. I think the fans will boo her even if she just came back and get that pop. So do I want to see Chris Statlander at heel? I, I don't know. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's possible. I think they could do that. She has to be close, right? I know she's doing like limited physical contact stuff. So she's, I think as far as I know, in like the final stages of her physical therapy, but you know, whether that means, She's ready to, you know, be in in the main event or not. Like it's a process to come back from an injury like that more than just being cleared and being able to, to do that. You know, you need to be at peak performance and there's a lot of rebuilding of muscles that has to take place. So, uh, you know, we could see her come back, but still not be at full capacity. And I think, I think, yeah. I think we say, really say want to want, see Statlander at a hundred percent. Yeah. Say you want to build this towards revolution. You could have her come back next week, kick off the story and not really do match work until end of February. That's another six weeks of strength building and rehab. We can still get the story going. So you could totally do that. Um, you want to, you want to move on to lightning rounds? Yeah, let's do it. Lightning round. Yo, the Snoop Dogg frog splash, baby. (laughs) The Uh, worst frog splash I have ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, I, um, after that segment, I immediately jumped on the Google machine and pulled up videos of Dennis Rodman and his appearances in WCW. Because, like, Dennis Rodman could actually work. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is what I was hoping for. And, uh, that's what we got. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. I loved it. It was great. I I especially loved him showing up with the juice, (laughs) um, in the private party segment that, that they had forgotten. They brought the gin, but they forgot the juice. So I thought that was brilliant. And, um, I, I forget that he's like actually a wrestling fan. And Mm -hmm. he was actually like doing a pretty decent job of, of quote unquote coaching Cody Rhodes during that match. And it was fun to see him, you know, kind of walking around on stage to get the right angle that he wanted to have. And um, occasionally like you could see him saying things to the performers and stuff. So, and, and I don't know, he was probably just up there cracking jokes, trying to get them to laugh, but um, it yeah, was man, fun regardless. Fun. Yeah, do you, he, man, he's tall too. He's six four. Yeah, I always forget that. I always forget how tall he is. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that yeah, that's a lightning round item for me, Snoop Dogg. It was fun. I, I got to give a shout out to um, the work done by Taz during the weigh in segment. I don't know that I'll ever get tired of Taz on the mic. Uh, just being 
petulant about the whole process and you know getting in tony's face and and getting tony all flustered and uh and then you know of course darby takes the mic and it goes from there but it was uh it was really fun and i also enjoyed the just the whole way in segment i think it's so much more interesting than a contract signing and serves the same purpose so like just give me a slightly different story beat and i'm a happy guy i like how taz was saying all of what darby was wearing was making him heavier yeah and, <laughs> and that he's still over 100 pounds lighter than brian cage so i'm like i like when i weigh myself with my workouts like yeah my my shorts aren't gonna be the big difference maker between feeling fat and feeling not. So step off Taz. Let me keep the belt. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm giving my lightning next lightning round item. Warlow Jake Hager. What a fun match. I know I said something positive about Jake Hager. Yeah. I, I, was, I was letting that land. I was, I was, you know, <laughs> I was letting that plane come down on the runway and uh, tax the game for a few minutes. because, <laughs> I'm just, I feel like we've come so far uh, and you in particular have come so far uh, where you're actually like enjoying stuff that Jake Hager is doing. I thought this was a great match. And I was, I said while we were watching it, like this, I will only be happy if Wardlow wins. Like Jake Hager does not need to win here. It doesn't do anything for him to win. Uh, But Wardlow needs to win because at this point, Wardlow still doesn't wrestle very often. So You know, it yeah, feels like a big deal when he's involved in a match. And uh, I I just don't have enough good things to say about Wardlow. He's fantastic. Do you think Hager will unblock me or unblock us? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Uh, I stand by what I said before. But yeah, that was, that was fun. You got another lightning item for me, dude? Yeah, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the match between Cody Rhodes and Matt Seidel. I thought this was a really good match. I know we kind of briefly touched on it, talking about uh, Snoop and and his involvement post-match, but the match itself was really good and something that, you know, I don't think people really think about with Matt Seidel, uh, especially those who are only familiar with him as Evan Bourne from his time in the other wrestling company, is his skill as a technical worker because he was known as a high flyer, pretty much a straight up cruiserweight. And there's so much more to the package with Matt Seidel and everything that he can do in the ring. So really enjoyed this match, really enjoyed the technical display. And I just, I want bigger things for Matt Seidel in AEW. So hopefully this is the start of something bigger with him kind of teaming up with Cody. Uh, We've seen people elevated by being in proximity to Cody, whether that's QT Marshall, whether that's Darby Allen. So let's, let's keep this moving forward. Even MJF got a big rub from being involved with Cody. So uh, hopefully Matt Seidel can, can come out of this looking better. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else to add there. Um, I only got one more thing. It was during when uh, Moxley left the ring after his promo earlier in the show. Was Does Peter Avalon have a bed set up? Oh, yeah. He's pretty Peter Avalon now. Okay. Is that something that's been developing on Dark? Uh, yeah, I haven't. Ugh, confession time. I haven't watched Dark in like, I don't know, 10 weeks. Jesus. 
Okay. Jeez. Shame. I'm very behind. Um, it's just too long. <laughs> it's two hours of straight up matches. Like, yeah. I, Dynamite isn't even two hours of content. You know, there are commercials. There's no commercials on Dark. So it's two solid hours of matches. I don't know. It's tough. So is he like a Hugh Hefner playboy? Um, More like if you're familiar with the character, the Continental from Saturday Night Live, it's, uh, it's who, more similar that to that. Cat? Say what? Who's in that? He, he did those. He did that. Uh, Christopher Walken. Ooh, no, I don't remember. Well, look it up. It's, it's, uh, it's very like uncomfortable. Oh, like he's not smooth. He gets rejected. Like he keeps offering people crackers, but they're like okay. saltines. It's yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Okay. Um, but he actually has been winning matches as pretty Peter Avalon. So uh, <laughs> both he and Brandon Cutler came out of their feud with one another smelling like roses, but uh, good, good. We're giving way too much time to those two. I don't have anything else for lightning round and right. I don't have a random observation this week either. I was a little too distracted to observe things. So uh, take <laughs> yeah. us out of here. Yeah, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. If you're an Android guy like me, you can get us on pretty much any of the podcasting apps on that operating system. You can email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. Follow the pod at OWS underscore pod at Twitter, at Twitter on Twitter. Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. Give us a Man, I just put these in such a weird order. I did some social media followed by where to get the podcast, followed by more social media, whatever. <laughs> Subscribe. Just record this, get a clean cut of it, and just insert it to every episode. I think I'm just a little rusty because we haven't like done a recap show in a while due to the holidays and uh, Brody Lee episodes. So I think I'm just a little rusty because usually I can get it done in a take. Usually. So, but that's that's it, guys. Uh, Joel, anything to say before um, I go to the gym? I got nothing. Join Dark Order. Bye. Holy moly, walk up in it slowly. It's the one and only. Yep, the big homie. Second generation, do the work. Innovation. Ace, keep acing. Get in the ring in your time, you'll be wasting. Face it, don't think you can slam me. Wrestling has more than one royal family. For Shoddy, my homie, my Brody. AEW's EVP, my brother Cody. It's on you.